Praise God. Thank you, Kerry. That was from 1 John 4. And uh, thank you, Pastor Chloe. And our children's workers are in there. We give thanks for them. Praise God. We've been doing a series on love, and it is the culmination of um, really our year on discipleship. The whole year's been on discipleship. And so on Sunday morning, we've been teaching on love for the last, um, for this term. And uh, on our Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been doing these signs shall accompany those who believe, which I think the last thing is next week. So 1 John 4.17, of course, is uh, the Holy Spirit's writing through the Apostle John. The Apostle John, who at this stage was known as the Apostle of Love, but as a young disciple, was called, Jesus called him a son of thunder. And uh, so he had, uh, we, we think he had personality issues as a teenager. And um, a lot like I had personality issues as a teenager, of course. Now I've got my act together, haven't I, darling? There you go, praise God, my confirmation, mouth of two or three witnesses. And uh, something transformed him to be a, from a son of fun, thunder, some of a, a temper who shot his mouth off, to someone who was prepared to lay his life down for the gospel and eventually became known as the apostle of love. Uh, it is the early church history tells us that in his last years, uh, as a, the Apostle Love, he had one, one sermon that he delivered, and it was love. It didn't matter whether they invited him to a faith and healing conference, he preached love. It didn't matter if they invited him to a prosperity conference, he preached love. And so here he sums up love uh, in, in, the, in the epistles, there in his, in his uh, letter there, 1 John 4. And he says this particular verse, which I want to just meditate on. We're actually going to preach uh, teach from... Uh, the earlier chapter, but I want you to look at this verse and consider this verse, 1 John 4, verse 7 to 10. Did we have that up there? Are we able to have that up here? 1 verse 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love comes from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God himself is actually love. And then it says, by this, uh, by this is love is manifest in us, that this God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So love has been revealed. This is love in the flesh, that God sent His Son to us. And then verse 10, it says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. This is love. Not that we can conjure up or create or strive or come to a place where we love God and we love Him and we deserve uh, what He's given us or we can worship Him, but that He first loved us. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Now, Jesus, when I was talking about uh, the great, the, the, the Pharisees came and asked him, he said, well, what, are the, what are the greatest commandments? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and you love your neighbors as yourself. In this, all the law and all the prophets are hung. They depend. And, but that 
typical of the law was what we are supposed to be able to do. What we are supposed to do if we hadn't fallen or sin hadn't entered the world. And if we, we want performance and bragging rights, what we're supposed to do is to love the Lord your God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we are incapable of doing that. Because love does not come in ourselves. Love does not come from our own will, our own uh, self-desire. Love is God. Love comes from God. And so Romans, Romans 5, it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit so that when we are born again and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, His nature is birthed in us and then we are able to love. And so John here says, it's, Love is not that you love God, but love comes from understanding that He loved us. So if we're to be capable to walk in this love that we are supposed to have to fulfill the law, and Romans, uh, Romans, uh, Romans 13 verse 8 says, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, this new commandment I have for you, you notice that it's a commandment, it's not just a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. I've got this good idea for you guys. If you want to do it, just love one another. He said, no, this is a commandment that you love one another. But to get to that place in ourselves where we are capable, where we have the ability, where we have the desire, where we have the power, Ephesians 3 talks about the power of God that is available through love, then we have to come to know His love. Because up until then, if we're walking and not knowing His love, we're really just striving. We're really just trying hard, and there's nothing wrong with trying hard, but we're incapable to, incapable to love like God loves unless we know first the love of God for us. So the Apostle John says, this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and He gave His Son as a propitiation, could attempt at that word, <laughs> propitiation, as a sacrifice, as an offering for our sin. Now, if you flip back, flip over uh, one chapter to 1 John 3, verse 1. He says this. He says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God, for such we are. See, behold, look at, consider, spend your time looking at how great, some translations say, the manner and the style of his love, how huge his love is for us, that we would be called the children of God, for such we are. We are the children of God. This demonstrates his love for us. And we are to look at that love, the love of the Father. We are to behold it. We are to consider it. If we're to live anywhere near the fullness God has for us. So we have here instructions from the Holy Spirit as to how to walk in this love that He has for us. Love that is not weak. Love that is powerful. It was not weakness to go to the cross. It's not weakness to lay down your life. It's not weakness to surrender your life to live for others, that strength. But we cannot live in it unless we first behold 
the great love the Father has given unto us. So we're going to spend some time this morning beholding, looking at, thinking about, meditating on, chewing over this great love that the Father has given unto us because the Holy Spirit has says, you want to walk in love, you want to walk in victory, you're going to have to spend some time thinking about, meditate, going over the love that the Father has for us. And we all, uh, most of us probably know what it's like to fall in love. And you go through this stage where you're, you're wondering whether that person uh, likes you. You get that, do they like me? And do they love me? You know? And then you get this, uh, you get this awkward, um, you get this awkward feeling with, they say something like, I think I love you. And what do you mean you think you love me? What do you mean you think? You mean there's, you know, that there's got to, there's things you're going to have to weigh up. I'm going to have to decide whether you love me or not. When Linda and I met, she was, I was working for a church down in Canberra and uh, Linda was on an outreach uh, mission and uh, God ordained it that I was to look after her amongst some other people. So we did some outreaches and uh, I, was telling, I was telling you before how, uh, how I met her and I was walking up the stairs into the Woden shopping centre and there across the courtyard the sun lit up this golden hair behind her head and it, it just, the hair blew back and... It was just brilliant, you know. And I, I decided that day she was there for two weeks, two weeks, ten days, and, uh, and I'm going to have to move fast. So they went and they did their outreach, and, and, then, I, and then we said we'd meet for coffee at this coffee shop in the mall. And I, I decided on a strategy to, to leave you, darling, in no uncertain terms that I'd noticed you. And... Uh, and I, I didn't want any doubt in her mind that I sort of, I had eyes for her. Now, isn't it good that God, it says, in this love is manifest that Christ laid down his life for us. And, and we to think about that. Isn't it God left us in no uncertain terms of his great love for us? So she was seated along with all these others. And, uh, and uh, um, I'm one of these... Uh, I'm, I'm part of the group of guys who married up. Put your hand up if you're in that group. I, I, Trevor, if I was you, I'd put my hand up, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to be a long drive home. <laughs> so much so that when I was, uh, I went to stay with uh, the, her youth pastor uh, after engaged in, in Auckland, and I was teaching at a Papakura Intermediate School. And, and Linda would come and see me over lunchtime because, you know, when you love someone, you just want to spend time with them. And on her way to work, and, and so we'd meet, I'd, I'd be on playground duty, and we'd meet on one side of the playground fence, while, and she'd stand on the other side. And one day when this happened, I came back to the class, and all these Maori, girl, Maori kids were lined up. It was a, I had a year six, it was Papakura Intermediate, Papakura Intermediate, and lined up. And, and all these Maori girls were giggling. And, and I said, why are you giggling? And they said, Mr. P, is that your fiancé? Sorry about the accent. Mr. P, is that your fiancé? I said, yeah. And they started giggling amongst themselves. I said, Mr. P, she's too good for you. <laughs> so I had to make this move. They made it in no uncertain terms. That, so they're, sit, they're sitting in this cafe in, in, uh, at the Woden Hyperdome. And uh, Linda was sat on the end of the U, like that, you know. And some guy, I don't know who he is, he always had eyes for you, darling, poor sucker. 
he come and he sat on the end. He pulled his chair on the end to sit down. So I walked in. I saw this guy sitting in between me and my girl. I had to leave no uncertain terms. So I went down. Another table said, you finished with this chair? No, we're not using it. I put it between them and sat down between them. You, know, you have to make it real obvious, guys. We're so thick that God really had to make it obvious in many ways of how much he loved us and his whole life. You know, Jesus came to show us God, but he also came to show us ourselves and how much he values and esteems us. And I find it interesting that he talks about, here he says, the Father's love. Now, the Jews knew him not so much as the Father, because he was Jehovah or Jehovah, and they couldn't even, they didn't really know the pronunciation of the name because it was too holy. But I find it interesting that when Jesus came to introduce us to the Father and the Father to us, that he didn't say Jehovah, he didn't say Almighty God, he didn't say the one who exists on, in the, on the smoke on the holy mountains, he said, Your Father. And when they said, How do we pray? He said, You pray like this, My Father. Who is in heaven. And then he's telling about your father cares for you more than the birds of the field or the flowers of the field or the birds of the air. And so he's introducing them to their father so they get some idea of the father's love for them. Now, we, uh, you may have had uh, different experiences with your father. I had no doubt uh, that my father loved me, but of course, like. Uh, all of us, he wasn't perfect. And, but I, I, I grew up knowing that I was loved. I remember one time we were living in New Guinea and we were on the mission field, the parents working for the Salvation Army. And I think I was like six, maybe six, seven. And I decided to uh, experiment with lighting a fire. Uh, but it was dry season in New Guinea. We are just sort of uh, 12 miles out of Port Moresby. And so I, I walked into the long grass, and well, it was, I was only about this height, so it was probably about that high. And I made a, I, I parted some ways, and I made a little kindling thing, and I, I'd found these matches, and so I lit this fire. Lit this fire, and, and uh, to my great surprise, it uh, it it lit, because uh, we probably hadn't ra had rain for a few weeks, and it lit, and then it just continued. To light. And, and our house was on a hill and I'd gone down a hill and it was just surrounded by these grasslands and the fire got stronger and stronger and I tried to go like this and I tried to stamp it up and then I did what all six-year-old boys probably would do. I ran and I hid myself in the bedroom and I pretended I knew nothing about what was now this raging fire that had surrounded our house. And they had called up uh, the help from the... Uh, from the uh, uh, Papuans, and they eventually put it all out, and, and, then, uh, and then came the knock on the door. And uh, they asked me about this fire, and I confessed to having lit it. I cannot remember my parents getting mad at me. What I can remember is Dad saying to me, Grant, if you like, I'll teach you how to light fires. And I'm thinking, now that's love. What a loving father. 
you know, I could have been smacked, I could have been yelled at. I can't remember these things. I can remember him saying, I'm going to teach you how to light fires. What a love response from a father. And he taught me how to love fires. So much so that years later, Lane Cove Boy Scouts, I flew through the fire badge. I got this fire badge, I just, I blitzed it because I had experience. I find it interesting that God talks about the love of the Father. And John said that we, how great it is. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. Parents are quite amazing with their kids. Um, our kids all played sport, and you know, I was a PE teacher at the time, so I helped coach uh, uh, Lauren's uh, soccer team, and in later years I helped coach Elisa's rugby teams, and I helped... Uh, with uh, uh, Luke's rugby team. And uh, I knew because I was just watching this, I knew every play, I knew every every uh, uh, move of the game. I, I watched. Eyes were on my son. I knew everything that happened in every game. And he went on to uh, represent Queensland two, two years as a schoolboy and scored a try for Queensland against New South Wales. It's a my one, I mean, his claim to fame. <laughs> but I lived my life uh, through him in many ways. And parents, you tend to do that. God actually lives his life through us on earth. We are called to be the family of God. Uh, Linda is a mad keen photographer. And for years, uh, all, all of uh, Luke's friends thought that she had one eye. And it was this big, you know, back eye. And uh, a couple of times, I never really told you the full story about this, darling, but a couple of times teams asked her to be the official photographer for the team because, you know, come with digital photography, you have thousands of photos. Back in the day, back in the day, Pastor Chloe, you wanted to take a photo, you had to go and buy the film. Remember that? Anyone remember that? Had to go to the chemist and buy the film, and then you had to carefully load it in. You did it wrong, you just blew yourself $12, $14. And it had like 24 photos, so they cost 50 cents each. 50 cents back in the day, they'd buy you a nice meal at, the, at a restaurant, Chrissy. Yeah, 50 cents. You still have change. And then you take the photo, and then it was like, uh, then you had to pay to get the photo developed, right? And then you had to pay to print with one. So you go there and you had 24 photos and I say, I have number six, I have number eight, I have number 15, number 22. But with it, and, and then it cost you like a dollar or two for each photo. That was a lot of money. It was like an hour, like an hour's work. But when Linda, they, they saw Linda taking these photos, of course, and, and there were some really good photos. They said, will you be the official photographer? And the reason, darling, that never went into the second season, did you notice how that never went to a second season? Because every photo had Luke in it. Every, there's Luke lifting in the night. There's Luke crashing through. There's Luke making the tackle, you know. And there was this sort of lack of awareness that there was 14 other people on that team. Because it was just Luke. I heard this story of this father and son going camping. And, you know, you're camping and it's very dark and all these loud noises and father and son they're lying next to in the tent and son says are you awake dad yes i am son the kid was scared he said again you still awake dad five minutes later he said yes i am five minutes later you still awake dad yes i am he says dad 
is your face turned towards me? Father said, yes, my face is turned towards you. Our Heavenly Father's face is turned towards us. He's very interested in us. He says to the angels, look at this child of God. He brags on us. The angels marvel. At, at, at he celebrates. Someone gets saved, throw a party. And then look, they get baptized in spirit, throw a party. Have, have, get baptized in the water, throw a party. You know, it, and the, the, he says to the angels, look at, look at my child, look at my little girl. And they said, we did. We saw them yesterday. You're still going on about it. His face turns towards us. So we have a heavenly father. But the thing with love is that love gives value. And John, the apostle, John will talk a little bit more. But John saw these marvelous situations which he records in the gospel. The Samaritan woman and the woman at the well where the love of God gave value to this person that the world didn't give value. Love esteems. How great a love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God for such we are. Years ago, we, were, we had a holiday, and I know I've told this story before. We had a holiday down in Melbourne, and we're walking around Melbourne shops because that's about all you can do in Melbourne. Unless you like AFL, but that's all right. We'll forgive you. And we're walking around these shops and came into a, a, a jeweler's shop and, and there was this rack of opals and there was one beautiful black opal there. And it was about probably the size of, of my thumb there. And uh, it didn't have a price on it. And I'm wondering, why doesn't it have a price on it? You know, like if you ever shop in jewelers, if it doesn't have a price on it, that's a warning sign. But you understand, the buyer sets the value. Those of you who know, who've been in sales, anyone been in sales? You know that, that you don't give them the price of something. You try not to unless you establish the value of it. Uh, so when I was in, uh, in the States, I was in furniture sales. And I said, try not to tell them the price. Flip it over. Open up. Show. Look at the beautiful wood. Look at the, look at the strapping. You feel this texture. Before you talk about price. The buyer establishes the value. So I'm asking the guy, what is this, what is opal cost? And he said, why do you ask? I said, because it's the most beautiful opal here. It's stunning. And no, no, he told me, then he told me, he said, it's $5,000. Now back, honestly, back then you could buy a new car for $5,000. And I said, why is it $5,000? He said, why did you ask about it? Because it's beautiful. Love establishes value. Jesus said, consider the love of the Father for you. Think about it. Look at it. Look at the price. Look at the value that he esteemed you with and he valued with, that he withheld nothing. He gave his only son. That is your value. It's not that we love him. We can't deserve it, but we're worth it. Why are we worth it? Because he paid the ultimate price for us. Love establishes the value. John saw that, the woman at the well, you know, who had been married all those times and she had to come out in the middle of the day. 
and, and because she would have been gossiped and talked about everything. And Jesus gave her value. He said, he said, he said when I talked to her, and he said, give me some water. That he was receiving hospitality from her. He was basically saying, you are equal with me. You have value. I esteem you. It's love is not that we love him, but in this is love that he loved us. And she saw this person, this prophet, he values me. He's letting me minister to him. He esteems me. We're esteemed. We're valued. He didn't leave us. He sent his son for us. He looks at us and he thinks we're beautiful. And he saw this woman, she's beautiful, and her life was so transformed that she became an evangelist, went and told the gospel. They obviously hadn't heard this theology that women can't preach the gospel back then. That came in later. So he went, that's called sarcasm. She went and preached the gospel. But you're a woman, you're supposed to preach the gospel. Went and preached the gospel, and the whole town got saved. And it wasn't because she deserved it. God doesn't. Love us because we deserve it. Now, he might be pleased with you sometimes and less pleased with you other times, but your value never changes. The blood of Jesus never changes. The price he esteemed you with never changes. We've got to look ourselves in the mirror in the morning and say, I'm valuable. I know I blew it. I did this and that, but I don't deserve the love of God, but I'm worth it because that's what he paid for me, and I'm not going to call him a bad buyer. He paid, gave all he had for me. That's my value. Love attributes value. And John saw them attributing value. And the woman, of course, caught in adultery. We know the story. But the thing is, you know, it says this. They came to him and they brought this woman and they accused it. You know all that. It says Jesus knelt down. God knelt down. God came to her level and identified with being condemned and accused and he knelt down. It says he wrote. And of course, the question everyone has, what did Jesus write? And when we get to heaven, hopefully we'll find out. But I know what he didn't write, what the other finger of God wrote, which was the law. The law was written with the hand of God and she'd failed it. And of course, they failed it. But this is love manifest. Not that we were able to love him with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. Not that we're able to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it, God loved us. He values us. He esteems us. And so love knelt down next to that woman that morning and wrote on a, something with the finger of God that, was full of grace and mercy. He said, you're valued, you're esteemed. Behold what manner of love the Father gave to that woman that she should be called a child of God. She didn't deserve it, but she was worth it. She was worth the blood of Jesus. Say this with me. I may not deserve it, but God has made me worth it. So love gives value. The second thing that love does is love pursues and pursues and pursues and restores. We have thought, we have been taught that sin separates you from God. Sin does not separate you from God. 
It's a guilty conscience. It's shame that separates you from God. If sin separates you from God, and I know I love that little, you know, that, you know, that two cliffs with a hole in the middle and the cross that comes in between and all that. And that's, that's all true to the extent. But sin doesn't stop God pursuing you. Sin doesn't stop God's love for you. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was God's response? Not to separate. He came in the garden to look for them. He pursued them. He went after them. And it was their sense of guilt and failure, again, self-righteousness and the law, that, that was that, that lack of worth, thinking that your worth comes from what I do, not from his love for me. Our worth will never come from what we do. Now, God can be pleased or displeased, but our worth, I'm talking about, his love for us never changes. And if there's nothing we can do to earn his love, there's nothing we can do to lose his love. So God pursued them. The prodigal son, we know that story, but there's one verse I just want you to look at in particular that, and can we call that one up? It's Luke 15, verse 20. I just want to point something out here. We know the story of the prodigal son because, of course, he, he dishonored his father. He said, give me your estate, which, uh, my share of the estate, which in effect means you're as good as dead to me, father. You're as good as dead to me. And he went away and he, he spent a few wild months or weeks or months blowing it. And, of course, he went into recession and he had nothing that, to eat. And he thought, even my father's servants eat better than me. And so he turned and went back to his father. It says here, he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off. Now, the father is our father God. And here he is saying, the father God is looking. The father God is waiting. The father God is believing you're going to come back to him. The father God is looking to forgive you. The father God is looking to restore you. Love restores He's waiting when we fail. He's waiting when we're fallen. Love restores. Love's not mad at you. He, he wasn't mad at Adam and Eve. He was disappointed, sure, but he loved them. He went looking for them, and they said, we dressed up. He said, who told you? Who told you you had to do this? And Who told you you weren't worthy? What lie was that? They believed the lie that their value came from what they would do. That was Adam and Eve's big sin. That was the big disobedience. To think that life came from something I can do. And God said to them, who told you? The father looked up and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. The father had compassion and, says, and he ran to him. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does God run. Running is distinctly uncool. You've got to lift up and gird your loins and show your hairy legs or your white legs. and It's very disgraceful. It's very humiliating for, God to, for anyone to run, but for a father to run. And I think, why would he run? He, he, he probably ran because the son was coming. He didn't want anyone to get to the son first. He didn't want no liar, the devil, to say, you're not worth it. You're not going to be received. Who knows? Who's experienced that lie? I can't come to God. I can't pray until I've done so many days right or I haven't done this. He wanted, he didn't want that voice. He ran. He girded up his loins. The Father ran to us. The Father runs to you and to me. The Father ran. 
nowhere. God sits, God stands, he speaks, his arm goes out in power, but the Father runs to us to restore us. Love gives value. Love restores. And the third thing that we can behold, there's lots of things we can behold. Love gives purpose. Love gives meaning. Love gives a reason for you to live. We don't stand here in this life for no purpose. We have a higher, the Apostle Paul says, we have a higher calling. We may be working in one place, we have a higher calling. And the Apostle John discovered this. The son of thunder, of course, he had uh, some interesting exchanges. We know that he called himself you know, the one who Jesus loved. When you've heard that expression, he says the one four times in the gospel, he says, the one who Jesus loved. Uh, but he, he didn't know that because lack of love makes you insecure. Lack of love makes you trying to control. Lack of love causes you to force your will on people and causes you to speak out where it's unwanted and to open your mouth and, and pain and hurt and control come out. And John was like that, the son of thunder, and in the most embarrassing moments. So like coming back, going through Samaria on their way to Jerusalem, and the Samaritans, because they, the, the disciples were going through on their way to Jerusalem, they would ask them, where are you going? They said, to Jerusalem, so the Samaritans wouldn't serve them. And then, so John comes up to Jesus John and his brother James, the other son of thunder. And he says, do you want us to call down lightning on them? And Jesus said, you have no idea. <coughs> you have no idea of what spirit or why you've been called. And John had this temper and he just spoke out and he blew it. And I know there's no one here like that except for probably me and Joseph that ever open our mouths and blow it. Speak out, but love will cause you to speak hurt and pain because you're not feeling it. You, you, love, lack of love, so not love. Lack of love will cause you to speak hurt and pain because lack of love's insecure. Lack of love is a work where you have to pull down someone else to make you look better because your value, your esteem hasn't come from what God thinks of you. You think your value or esteem's coming by comparison. And, and that was the case with the men that brought out this woman caught in the adultery. You know, the, the, you know, she's like that. We're like this. What's the law said, you know? And so John spoke, let's call down thunder and lightning. And Jesus said, you have no idea. I came to die for those people. I came to, to they have value. They have worth. I came to show grace. And I love that the blood of Jesus gives us access to the throne of God. God says, come boldly into his presence that you might find mercy and grace. We need mercy and grace. Love restores. Love gives purpose. Love gives value. And John was blowing it. Later, this is the worst one, really. You think about it. Jesus sits them down and he goes, guys, I have to tell you this. The Son of Man is going to be arrested He's going to be taken. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be handed over to die. The third day he'll rose again, but he'll suffer terribly. I'm going to suffer. This is what I'm going to do for you. John puts up his hand. Can I ask a question? 
Thank you for that. And when you come back in your glory, can I sit at your right hand? It's like, oh, 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 really? He's just told you he's going to lay down his life for you. And you've blown it so much. You're just so self-oriented that, that you've got to say, can I get prestige and lack of love, uh, grass for that. That's why the Apostle John says, it's not love that we love God. It's love that he loved us. And just to, the next day, the next night, Jesus is on the cross. And he looks down and he sees Mary and he sees John. And he says, John, see your mother. Mother, see your son. Love gives purpose. Love gives a reason to live to give value to others because love is not that we love God or love others. Love is that He loved us, that He valued us, that He restores us and He gives us a reason to live so we can walk in love. And the Apostle John, Jesus said, now you may have left, Mark says, <laughs> sorry, Mark says, uh, when Mark was called, he left his boat. Matthew says, the father was there, he left his boat and he left his father. And here, two and a half years later, he's trusting Jesus is trusting John with his mother. And John had discovered the love so much. He, he, he didn't say, of course, he didn't say. And, and Mary, his mother, whom he loved. He said he saw John whom he loved. And we have to look at ourselves and know we're loved, we're valued, we're sought after, we're esteemed, and we have a purpose and reason to live today. In this love is perfected. We have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is in the world, so, so are we. And then he says, Behold, look at the manner, the greatness of love the Father has for you. Because the big deal is not that we can love God, but that he first loved us. Let's bow our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the great love that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that we can be that we're, we're given value and worth, that we're restored to you and that you give us a life purpose in love. And we believe we receive that now. In Jesus' name, amen.